Dimensions. And, the, and then the, the 2DS is actually plays 3DS games. Really? It's not in 3D. Dude, I seriously stopped terrible. paying attention to like all of the things Nintendo releases after uh, Wii, I think. Well, I think Wii is when I stopped. Or maybe Nintendo. It, it, I'm back on board Nintendo. I'm not saying I'm not on board with Nintendo. I'm just, I think it's... No, I know. I mean, I'm not saying I was against it, but now I'm on board with it. Too many things. All right, so let's just start... Uh, I don't know who's going. This is episode... Well, today I was editing 10. Which means so I've we got have 11, 11 left. I've got 11 in the queue. So this is 12. This is 12. So this is my intro. I do even. Yeah, you even. Okay. So, um, it's been a while, but let's see if this works the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to No Sick Days, a gaming podcast. I'm Chris. I'm John. And we are two self-employed friends that have been having the same conversation about games for the past 28 years, and now we're going to share it with you. Dude, almost 29 years. Almost 29 years. Our friend anniversary is coming up, I guess, in what, August? By late when August? Does, when does school get back in Yeah. I mean, when did school start... 28 years ago is the question. I think it was still mid-August. So mid-August. Right, well, I, I know in the rest of the country it changes, but in Texas... All right. We'll, we'll say August 15th. We'll switch it over to 29. There it is. August 15th. Done. So what are we, uh, <laughs> we going to start off with? Well, hold on, hold on. We weren't actually talking about... We didn't... I mean, on August 15th, we didn't like know each other yet, so we wouldn't have immediately hey. started... Have you seen, uh, what is it, the racing show, Talladega Nights or something? Is uh, that what it is? Did we, maybe, it's, maybe it's another one with Will Ferrell and uh, that's that, Talladega that Nights. Like, did we Riley? just become best friends? Yes, Basically. we did. <laughs> we yeah. So I'll just assume it's like that. <laughs> so he's just walking like, hey, you look like you like video games. I do like video games. Let's talk about Wolfenstein 3D. Okay. That's how it started. That's how I recall it. I, I don't know if you I, recall it differently. I think Wolf 3D was third grade, though. Yeah, that's fine. Time is all sort of a nebulous concept all anyway. Right. So you were about to say something important regarding our podcast. <laughs> I was going to say something <laughs> that has been a big part of our podcast. Important. Uh, but there's a lineage that you're maybe still Oh, for playing, real. Even though we we've been podcasted for a little bit and I was hoping that you you wouldn't be playing this game, but it turns out you might maybe still are. Would you like to cue the intro music for us? I sure. <laughs> yeah, I actually am still playing. Here's the sad thing. Um, the so it's, you know, I remember, I remember like a month and a half ago, I got to level 180, which was like the level cap until they patched it. Right. And then I mentioned you have a new level cap that's super grindy to get to. Yeah, the the, the grind turned into an order of magnitude harder to get. Yeah, I'm true. now 186. Whew, you haven't made a lot of progress. <laughs> Almost what he said. You got to grind harder. Well, I think so. I do, I'm doing it wrong because I've noticed there's a lot of people who are already like. Some people, there's a few people I've seen in the 220s already, which is crazy. And they also release this whole new area with like all these new vendors. Uh, you can like spar and train. You can buy uh, new hairstyles and hair colors and costumes, which all cost money. Of course, they all sound fantastic. And, though. I can't. You don't do this. You don't buy all the costumes. So many other people have. Oh, okay. Well, you <laughs> want to join them? Seriously, people don't you are have, dropping like serious. Don't you want to have lineage friends? I have lineage friends. You're not They're my clan. Money. Well, the cherry blossoms. They all, they all look down on you because you don't spend money. And speaking of, our, our since the uh, server merge, our clan has gone from rank 54 to 46 because we are hardcore. Super hardcore. Sort of a little too hardcore. Yeah, I don't know why I'm still playing lineage 2. Stop. Just stop. 
I don't know. Break it's, the habit. It's definitely it's an bad addiction habit. now. Yeah. And I've all, I've almost spent money on it. I've come so close. Just don't. But I didn't do it. Just buy anything else. I know, but it's like a, I've got so much entertainment out of it for free. I'm like, what's $5? Yeah, but it's still not a good game. Just because they've tricked you doesn't mean you have to give them money now. I mean, I still have fun sometimes. <sighs> do you? Like, ask yourself, am I having fun? I don't know. And the answer, you'll know the answer. I don't, know I, I don't have to tell you the answer. All right. Uh, there's nothing more I can add about Lineage 2 that hasn't already been said. So we'll just, we'll just we got it out of the way. Let's, let's move to the next. Uh... Yeah, so I'm going to talk about one of the games I've been playing in the past few weeks, uh, Pillars of Eternity 2. I played Pillars of Eternity 1. I finished it. I don't know why I finished it, because I didn't like it. And so when the Pillars of Eternity 2 Kickstarter rolled around, yeah. I was like, no, I'm not touching this damn game. But Pillars of Eternity um, 1 was a uh, loved game, right? It was, yeah, people liked it. I don't know loved, but they really liked it. Okay. It was it was well-received, for sure. I, like, did, I did not finish it. I yeah. started playing it, did not finish it. Uh, I don't think it's worth finishing. I think there's a lot better isometric RPGs. It's certainly not in my top 50. Uh. I, didn't, I didn't even like it. I, and during that time, though, I, I played Tyranny. And Tyranny is a really good game, also by the same company, Obsidian. Uh, and I think they did a great job with it. So I started thinking, okay, maybe Pillars 2 will turn out a little bit better. And the game comes out, people are reviewing it well, but they reviewed Pillars 1 well. So I'm thinking, eh, I'm not going to read too much into it. But as I got into a little bit more of the reviews and the descriptions, I think they fixed a lot of the problems. That's, okay. what, that's what it was seeming like. It's, in a, it's a pirate setting, too. It's a pirate setting. That's kind of fun. Yeah, and that is an appeal. Like, it's kind of a cool setting. It's unique. And they, so far, have done a pretty good job of it about 10 hours into the game. Okay. Uh, so the things that they've improved on, the companions feel more alive. So Pillars 1 just did a lot of crazy exposition. The game was just could have been called Pillars of Eternity exposition as the subtitle because they just talk nonstop nonstop and you couldn't get through the game without paragraphs upon paragraphs of crap that you don't care about because you're not invested in the game enough right and so they dialed it back a little bit and one of the areas is with companions so now instead of having these crazy long expositions you just have banter more frequent banters throughout the game you have them having the little quips and conversations with other npcs so they kind of come to life as you're playing the game in a way that feels more organic and more like the bio aware style of like your characters are always interacting with the story and always alive mm -hmm. as opposed to this I don't know like here do you want to learn about this character right now okay you can have 20 minutes of conversation with them and then you're not going to hear from them again for another 10 hours wait is Pillars 2 Bioware no it's Obsidian oh, oh yeah same, same company yeah so I mean yeah. Bioware and Obsidian are not the same company but Obsidian made Pillars 1 and Pillars right. 2 right. Uh, <laughs> they did that uh, the big Thing they really improved on though more than anywhere else is in the combat. Okay. So Pillars One used an old rest style system of combat, and I say rest is part of combat because it influences what abilities you're able to bring to the table. So if you rest, like Baldur's Gates and all those games before it, uh, you have all of your spells recovered, right? So right. that means your wizards and your priests are all super powered when they have all their spells and super crappy when they don't have their spells. And it creates this really janky system where you just clearly want to rest as much as you can because that makes you as powerful as you can be. And then the way that they try to hinder that is they only give you a limited number of resting supplies. You, know, you could always go back to town and rest. It just creates more tedium to do so. Right. But there's no actual interesting decisions. It's just... Do I want to waste some time to play the game more efficiently, yes or no? 
very bland, very uninteresting. What Pillars 2 does is they make everything more encounter-based. So all of your wizards, priests, they get all their spells for every battle. Okay. Everything okay. is available. The only thing that changes from battle to battle is you have these three empowers that you can do. And empowers can give you back half of your abilities, or they can power up one particular ability to super, super powerful heights. Okay. So you have these options in the encounters to, to use these or not. You get them three times, and the battles are such that you're probably not going to use a ton of them in a very short span of time because you don't need to, mm-hmm. but also because you get these resting bonuses from food. So as opposed to resting just sort of giving you these blasé party-wide bonuses, you can give each party member a super powerful buff with mm-hmm. food that lasts until your next rest. What kind of food? Uh, you know, like chicken and waffles. So like super powered chicken and waffles. Super powered chicken and waffles. Did like pirates eat a lot of chicken? Pirate chicken and waffles. Yeah, it's made differently. You don't want to know what's in it. Pirate chicken and waffles, that is the shit. You get all these crazy stat buffs. And these this food is expensive. Okay. Like the really good food is expensive. So they make it. So it makes you cost. limit it a little yeah, bit more. I gotcha. Uh, and then on last thing, I'm playing Pillars uh, Pillars of the Dam. Path of the Dam, which is the hardest difficulty. Okay. And I downloaded a mod that makes you level uh, each level is a little weaker. So my buffs from leveling are only about half as much statistically. Why would you do this? Because it makes the difficulty perfect. So the difficulty on this so far, my 10 hours in, is perfection. I love exactly where the difficulty is, and I say that very rarely about a game. Really? I love where the difficulty is, and that's added a lot to the game. I feel like I've got different encounters that require different strategies. I'm being challenged just the right amount throughout the game. So I have a little bit of trash mobs to make me feel good. Mm-hmm. So I still have to think a little bit, but it's not brain burning. And then I have a few really difficult encounters for every quest that I have to actually strategize and think about ahead of time. What do I want to do? Which potions, traps, bombs, etc. Mm-hmm. do I want to use? What limited resources am I going so to use? you actually expend? have to use all that. Because like a lot of these games I've played, like half that stuff will just... I never use it. Like, why would I ever use any of the traps or bombs? Because I could just kill everybody. I didn't even think about it at first until I got to one of the battles where I was like, I don't know what to do. And I was like, I've got traps and bombs. And I use like five or six bombs. I use potions. I use these other like one-time effects. It was awesome. That's a good thing that, uh, which we'll talk about later, XCOM 2 did. Yes. I found myself, missions got a lot easier once I realized I should use everything I have. You had the consumables for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Anyways. So that's what Pillars 2 does. So the aspect of the story doesn't exist in large chunks of exposition, but is gradually given out to you over the course of the game. Okay. Uh, I don't know that the story, from what I've read, isn't super in-depth, but the characters and the world is really cool. Yeah. Uh, so you get this good experience that gets dripped out to you, as opposed to, again, having to go through really long chunks, which can be very monotonous and annoying, and the combat is fantastic. So, so far in, I'm really enjoying it, way better than Pillars 1. I mean... The 10 hours I've spent on Pillars 2 mm-hmm. were better than the 35 hours I spent on Pillars 1. So even if I just stop playing the game now, it's already been a better experience, <laughs> even if I don't resolve anything else. Well, yeah, I mean, Pillars 2 has been on my, has been on my uh, backlog for a while. So I'm definitely wanting to play that as soon as I have a functioning PC. You should. Yeah, I'm happy. <laughs> I followed up Vampire is the last yeah. full-price game about Steam game, right? Meh. Vampire or Pillars? Pillars? Pillars, yeah. yeah. Pillars is a Steam game. Dude, uh, I have an epic segue if you're ready. I'm ready. Do it. So I can totally play Pillars 2 now Why? because uh, a little uh, distribution company, publishing company called uh, Devolver Digital may have installed an entire lounge for gaming at our brewery. That's awesome. I know. 
They're a good company. Pretend to be excited as if I didn't tell you this already. Yeah, I am. I am calling back to 30 minutes ago when we were talking about this. My excitement is just the same as it was then. Yeah, yeah. so um, Devolver Digital is a uh, it's kind of like an indie game darling publishing company. Uh, they've put out a lot of re- or published a lot of really great games. They're a smaller company located here in Austin, Texas, where we are. And uh, one of the guys at our brewery is friends with somebody there, and he started talking to her. And she's like, oh, yeah, I totally wanted to reach out to y'all for a while, too, but I didn't want to, like, leverage friendship and business stuff. And we're all just like, are you kidding me? Like, yes, bring that. Please do this. Yeah. So they came over and set up their entire, like, expo convention center rig. Uh, up in in this um, little like section we've got broken off of the brewery in our tap rooms. Right. It used to be the merch area, then we turned it into kind of a game spot, and now it's uh, built up like a little like living room lounge spot. Yeah, you got a nook, nice nook. Yeah, for yeah, and it's super cool. So basically, we have a small kind of entertainment center um, with a bunch of old like VHS tapes and old NES games. There's an NES, a functioning NES on there. Um, there's like a Star Wars lunchbox and an Alf like clicker viewfinder thing. Okay. Just some random 80s. Yeah, sure. You gotta add that. It was all part of their their shtick. Uh, there's two director chair style seats that have uh, Devolver Digital on the back. And we actually put up a sign that's sponsored by by Devolver Digital. And, um, we are not sponsored by Devolver Digital. This is not. <laughs> we, yeah, this podcast is not. This podcast is not. This, However, Fortap. Uh, Fortap has a uh, video game lounge sponsored by. Anyway, so it's neat. Um, the best part though is they have this. Uh, like widescreen monitor TV hooked inside like a kind of a fake TV. It looks like a CR old school sure, CRT. Yeah. And uh, it's hooked up to basically a, a PC that runs like it's not a Steam box, but just an old PC that has got uh, a Steam account on it, right? And so one of the guys hooked it up. So as soon as you turn it on, it launched Steam. And they basically, so they created a fourth tap Steam account and then gave us every game they have. <laughs> so what all do they have? I know they have Hotline Miami. Enter the Gungeon. Broforce. Broforce. Yeah, so I've seen a lot of, like last Friday night, I think a Broforce game was going on for three hours straight. Like people just it's didn't stop game. playing. Yeah, yeah. And I finally got to start digging into Hotline Miami today, which is super fun. And I was like, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to walk away from my desk <laughs> over to the... Devolver Digital yeah. Lounge, <laughs> video game lounge. Take a beer. Yeah. You know, I had to call, call a guy. I was like, how do I turn this thing on exactly? Because <laughs> it's, not, it's not totally. Grandma John uh, asking for tech what advice. Do I, what do I turn on this I'm, confounded what trap? Do you do? <laughs> Sorry, grandmas. Apparently just press a button and turn it on. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's yes. Grandma John. So I was thinking we would, uh, I think we should do a podcast, like a special episode uh-huh. uh, from there. And I'll, what I'll do is I'll, try, I'll reach out and see if I can get somebody from Devolver to come hang out. And we can just um, hang out. Maybe go to Fort Tap on like a Friday night when we're busy. And just hang out and you know play yeah. some games and sounds like a blast. Some beer and do that. Yeah, life can happen. Life is tough. Life sometimes. is tough. So you have a working computer, sort of. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to put Pillars <laughs> Two on that, I guess. And no one's going to get mad at me after I spent ten hours when I should be working. Yeah, that'd be fine. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> All right, so we'll get we'll come back. Well, there's, you're going to hear more about that in the future because now we've yeah we should. I, Devolver Digital is a great company, so I'm glad to see all spa, being sponsored by them. Partnering yeah, with and them. the people who came by were super nice. They hung out all afternoon, uh, played a lot of games. It's it's already gotten a lot of use <laughs> as it should. Yeah. yeah. All right, um, and then uh, before we go to break, uh, I think you've got uh, some ranting. Oh to man. Do. Okay, so I wanted to get this out of the way. <laughs> Before we uh, dove into another segment, I decided I wanted to buy a 3DS XL or 3DS or 2DS, whatever. One of these different DS versions that are current 
for the Nintendo handheld platform. Is this it right here? This is it right Can here. Can I hold it while you're yeah, telling sure. the story? So okay. uh, we'll get into it a little bit more. I'm going to do a whole segment on the 3DS because it's been a cool system. But I wanted to buy some games, as you do. And GameStop was doing this sale last week. And uh, it was also a trade-in bonus thing that they had going on. Mm-hmm. So basically, if you traded in more games, you would get more back. So I took all of my old DS games, all of my old Wii games, things that I'm not playing anymore. I looked up what the prices were on eBay and anything that was basically comparable with the bonuses I was getting from GameStop. I took to GameStop for trade-ins. And I just did the trade-in amounts because those were more. So I figured, hey, this is a great idea. And then they decided they're going to offer two, or they were going to offer a two, buy two, get one free deal during that time frame. So I'm getting more for my trade-ins and I'm getting uh, more games for my money, right? So both of these work together. I go to GameStop, I buy a couple games, but there's a lot more I want. Uh, However, it just is kind of a pain finding all those games in a single store. So I decided I'm going to use GameStop.com to buy these. It should be easy. Shouldn't be a problem. They have these games. They'll ship them. Not going to be an issue. I sense a however coming up. So this is what happens (laughs) after I decide to do that. I order the games early Tuesday morning. Okay. I put in... Not this morning. No, sorry, a week ago. A week ago. So okay. I have ordered the games exactly seven days and, I don't know, five hours from this time. Sure. From what, what we're doing. Well, I don't think you were up that early. Where is it? Uh, I, I, oh, no, I actually did it at like one in the morning. So I actually did it way early. Because I did it right before going to bed. Okay. So way, way before that. I placed the order. Okay. I put in my GameStop card that has all of the trade-in values, everything that I, all my credits on there from right. the games that I, I sold them. And I put in my, my credit, and the game the order goes through. It says, okay, fine. And I place a second order. It goes through. It doesn't ask for a credit card because it says I have enough on the account, the balance. Then it gets to Friday. My game, one of the orders has shipped and has arrived. However, that order had a broken game. So out of the three games I got from that order, mm-hmm. one of them didn't work. I had to go to a store to trade it in. For a for the functioning copy of the game that should have worked in the first place, right. which was super clear that it wasn't going to work because the damn thing looked janky yeah. and it was clicking if you pressed it at all. You just pressed down on it. These are three DS games. These are it was that was technically a DS game, oh, but, but you can it's the same thing. If you press it, you're going to be like, oh, this feels like a piece just pushed it down. Oh, I see. Yeah. So if you do this just lightly, right? It just Some feels it feels like a normal plastic cartridge, yeah. right? Feels it solid. clicked. The damn thing clicked. Yeah. Yeah, so I took it there, clear that it wasn't going to work, they traded, gave it me the new pre-owned copy, no problems at the store, the store was fine. Okay. So, they've already messed up once. The second order that I placed still is in processing, still hasn't shipped. Mm-hmm. I emailed GameStop Friday morning, Monday comes, haven't heard back well, yeah, I mean, at all. I'm like, why, why isn't anything going on with this, why hasn't the order shipped? Very simple questions, right? So then I call them. After 40 minutes, I finally get connected to a real person. Is it 40 minutes? 40 minutes is how long it takes to get connected to a real person. And they say, oh, well, you didn't actually put in enough money to complete the transaction. So you have to have a credit card on here because there's a $30 balance due. So I said, okay, I don't know why your website didn't tell me that to start, but fine. I mean, I'm fine on the phone. I just do what the guy says. I say, hey, can I give you my credit card to complete this transaction? He goes away for four minutes to figure out whatever the hell he has to figure out because apparently this is a problem that doesn't arise very often. I don't know how because their website is terrible. And 
Why is my phone going? <laughs> it's how mad he is right now. So mad. Uh, that was dumb. Uh, okay. Where was I? Yeah, you're making, making note of that one. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So I, the guy goes away for four minutes, and he comes back and says, okay, I'll take your credit card. He does the credit card thing. We resolve. I think it's done at this point. The game is going to ship out today. Sure. Now, you know, a week after I originally placed the order. Makes sense. However, what happens is early this morning, it just says your order is canceled. What? My order is just canceled. Did they charge you already? No. I don't know really what's going on at this point. I assume I haven't been charged. I haven't looked at my credit card statement to see what's going on. My assumption is that everything is just done and that I have money back on my balance so I can just go to a GameStop and resolve this issue. In fact, I call somebody, I call GameStop again to confirm this is the case. This is today, right? Today. I call them. 30 minutes, after 30 minutes of waiting, I get connected to somebody. Yep. This person says, uh, okay, yeah, this is canceled. I say, okay, I want a buy two, get one coupon so I can just do the same order at a store. And she says, okay, let me go see if I can do that. Five minutes later, she comes back. She says, okay, I can't do it online. I can only do it for the store. I said, that's exactly what I wanted. I never want to do with your online service again. <laughs> Thank you. So she gives me the thing. I go to the store. The coupon works. Okay. However, I don't have money on my card yet. It's still, even though this is their whole proprietary software of taking trade-in money, right, putting it on your account, spending it, mm-hmm. giving it back when a process gets canceled, they aren't able to do it in a timely fashion. No, in fact, it takes about two days for this to happen. So I'm going to have to go to GameStop a third time to fix their fuck up because the online service is the equivalent of a mom and pop shop run by people that have never used the internet before. That sounds awfully complicated and irritating. It's awful. So basically in the, I don't know, 200, 300 times I've used Amazon and eBay, I've had as many problems in the two times that I've used the GameStop service <laughs> online. That's how bad it is. I can't say I've ever bought anything off GameStop. Dot com. Yeah, so the stores, all the stores that I've gone to, everyone's been fine, pleasant, but the company's not going to survive if it can't handle the internet, and it clearly can't handle the internet. Yeah, because Amazon's just going to blow it out of the water. Yeah, it's clear why they've been losing this battle for so long, because they've had, I don't know, what, 10 years to kind of figure this thing out, and they're still no further along, probably, than when they started. Online retailing is not exactly a new concept, either. It's something that's been already perfected by multiple companies. Yeah, just go hire somebody who's ever done it. (laughs) Just one person. That that should be more than what they've got there. One dude. Or or girl, sorry. Or something in between. Whatever. Just Just a person. A human, not ten monkeys, a human who has done this before in some capacity. ten monkeys. Maybe that'd be better. It might actually be better. It's disgusting. So, you know, suffice to say, I'll never use their online so service again. GameStop, online, Just a fire. complete disaster. Never go there. Unless you really just want to spend an hour and a half on the phone to get I no resolution. It took 40 minutes to get somebody on the just line. Just to get them on the line. The whole conversation was like 50 minutes. But this is actually going to transition into a happy subject. Yeah, I just need to cool down a little bit. All right, so uh, we're... Stupid. We're, so stupid. We're going to take a break. Chris is going to take a minute, and then we're going to talk about the 3DS games that you did that you did manage to get your hands on. The yeah, one. yeah. Since I'm one. still waiting on three more that <laughs> should have been here days ago. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right Will back. I ever get it? I don't know. Yeah. Let's do it.
Okay. Part two. I guess I'm okay to move on. Feeling better? I don't A little. I, I'll feel better once it's actually all resolved and I have all my games well, that I've been games. trying to buy. Yeah, when the game's good. So what were you trying to buy? Oh, anyway? my God. Okay. So, well, a lot of stuff. Basically, I looked at all the 3DS games and all the Switch games that were out that I didn't already have. And I said, what do I actually want to play here? And all the games, I just chose Fire Emblem games, Shin Megami Tensei games, which is this JRPG series, uh, kind of a little bit more mature than most JRPGs tend to be, and the new Kid Icarus game for 3DS. I say new, but it's a five-year-old game at this point. Those were the only games I was interested in buying. Okay. Those were the only games that kind of met the requirements I was looking for, which is some level of challenge, an interesting story, and or characters. Uh, and like just interesting, interesting decision making. Okay. Uh, so I'm still waiting on two of the Fire Emblem games and uh, one other uh, game that I'm ordering for Rachel, Rayman Legends for the oh, Switch. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we played the demo. It was actually pretty fun, and she liked it. And some of the games, some of the Wii stuff was hers, so it made sense to she yeah. should get something too. That's fair. That's fair. So, so we did that, and honestly, like I said, I was out of games to buy. I don't know what else I actually want on any of those platforms that are currently out, so whatever. <laughs> uh, so at this point, I have been playing a lot of Fire Emblem Echoes. Okay. So it is sort of the newest Fire Emblem game, although it's a remake of one of the older Fire Emblem games. It's really fun. Really? Uh, yeah. There's some really cool stuff in the game that I like. So Fire Emblem, one of its interesting... Uh, sticks on the strategy RPG genre is that when your characters die, they're gone forever. So like, you know, XCOM 2, except in Fire Emblem, these characters are characters with real personalities. So when you lose somebody, it sucks because A, you're not going to be able to replace them with a nameless soldier because there's no nameless soldiers. And B, there's some, they play into the story in some element. First of all, soldiers in XCOM 2 have names. Okay. True. (laughs) <laughs> I'm trying to knock XCOM because you know I love me some XCOM. <laughs> Just saying, it adds a little bit more of a, a downer when you lose somebody in battle so, to the point where you often will be like, I'm going to reset this battle. All right, so for those of us who, who don't know what Fire Emblem is or for those of us who played the mobile game briefly because someone recommended it to them. <laughs> Still and it's a good like, game. This game fucking sucks. You're playing Lineage 2. Yeah. But I thought that's what you were looking for. Fire Emblem Mobile, it's like, it's like a baby version it's like a, a baby gave birth to a baby version of Lineage 2. I don't know that that's uh, true. Of the mobile app, though. They're all mindless endeavors. The, mo- the mobile app is bad. I don't know, but so the, the actual games for 3DS and Switch and all that so are, they're, they're are completely different, right? They're okay. completely different games. Okay. So Fire Emblem, for those yeah, that don't know about it, it's uh, similar to like Final Fantasy Tactics, Front Mission, these strategy RPGs where all your characters are on tiles. They move around. From position to position, they have different abilities, different strengths, different weaknesses, different stats. Yeah. And so you you know kind of do the normal expected thing of I want to attack an archer with a sword, right? I want to shoot an, a mage with a bow and arrow because the mage just doesn't have the distance to retaliate. Is that like a rock, paper, scissors kind of? So not in this version of Fire Emblem. Okay. Newer versions of Fire Emblem do. So even though this is the latest one, like I said, it's a remake of an old one. So they use an old system that's just based purely on stats. Okay. So you have stats like defense, like physical defense and resistance, so you can block against magic, you know, your attack, your HP, so on. So there's 10 different stats or so per yep. character. And those are what encompass what your overall grouping is going to be and how you're going to affect the strategy of the game. And I'll get into the new Fire Emblem systems in a, in a minute. 
Uh, so this game, though, uh, you play basically two different routes. You have two main characters. They have two completely different parties, and you're kind of slowly getting attached to all these characters as you go through the story. It does have a lot of the same, I don't know, JRPG trope type of characters, right? You have, like, these... The guy who's just, like, who basically only talks about women or whatever. You have the person who's obsessed with power. You have the, the mercenaries, like, oh, this isn't cool, but I'll go along with it. Or the devil may care. You have the de- yeah, right. You have So all these different tropes, and... There's not a ton of depth necessarily to their personality at first, but it is getting to the point where I can see a little bit of that shining through okay. because I'm, I've recruited most of the characters in the game at this point. So now the only thing that's left is to talk, have them be expanded upon, right? And, and that's through the romance system because Fire Emblem is a romance simulator. So the new Fire Emblems, yes. This Fire Emblem, that's a remake. No, not the same. There is romances that develop throughout the game, but uh-huh. you don't control them like you do in the other Fire Emblems. Yeah. And, I, and I can't take credit for that joke. There's a... <laughs> just Google, like, on YouTube, search for, you know, Fire Emblem is a romance simulator. You can right. watch it. Yeah, so Fire Emblem Awakening and Fates both have this romance simulator component. I think Awakening especially. You can basically marry people off to each other, and they have kids, and then they have kids of their kids, and so on. This is, it's all just set in stone. I think there's a little bit of a, you need to have them interact in combat a certain amount before they'll have their stories and and Echoes, the version I'm playing. Okay. But uh, that made, it's just something you want to do anyway because you have uh, the support system in Fire Emblem. So all Fire Emblems have a support system. That's one of their other unique concepts. The way it plays out is a little different each time, Mm -hmm. but the crux of it is the more characters fight together, the more they power up fighting near each other in battle. That's kind of cool. It is cool, and it's the way that it simulates the like story aspect of it is once you've done that, once they fought together a certain number of times, you can talk to them in the middle of a battle. Uh, it's weird that it's in the middle of a battle, but they do kind of play into it. It's like, hey, maybe we should focus on the enemy now. <laughs> That'll kind of come up in conversation. But it's just dialogue to build up a relationship between two characters and also for you to see a little bit more about who they are, get you more attached to the characters. And so even though it is kind of tropey, the character cast is enjoyable. Like, it's kind of a fun cartoon style of uh, okay. character depth to it. The story is fun. But one of the cool things it does, um, I was talking about how Fire Emblem, there's permadeath. And yeah. oftentimes you'll want to restart a battle because somebody has died. Right. It's got this thing called uh, Mila's Turnwheel, and name not super important. It's just part of the lore of the game. But you get a certain amount of backpedals you can do per battle that slowly grows over the course of the game. So you might realize, oh, that was a terrible move because you saw that the enemy killed your guy as a result of it. Right. You can backpedal as far as you want. So I can go back 10 moves, 20 moves, one move. I can just replay the enemy's moves so that all I'm doing is replaying the RNG aspect of it. Okay. And I get to choose what I'm doing there. But you only get a certain number of those per battle. Right. And so using those is also pretty strategic in a, this didn't kill anybody, but it put me in a shitty position. Do I want to use this turn back time thing right now? Yes, instead of having to like reload a game, you can... I gotcha. Right. So it's an actually really nice middle ground between, like, I don't want any characters to die. So I really think permadeath is an important part of Fire Emblem. Right. And you can turn it off in the all the 3DS games. 
but I'm never going to do that because I think it adds an important strategic aspect yeah. that makes the game a lot less fun if you don't have it in there. Because if you can just have people die, it's easy to bum rush every level, basically, lose a couple characters, and be like, whatever, yeah, no big deal. To, but it's hard to do it without losing anyone. Is there an Iron Man option? Like, is it is that is he, are you able to go back and just reload a map if you just so utterly you, fail? Or there's no Iron Man in any fire. You can always reload. The, before the battle started. Okay. So it's never an issue of like, oh man, I'm totally screwed, this game's unwinnable. You can always say, no, I want to go back to the start of it and not lose a character. Right. Uh, in most Fire Emblems, you can get by with losing characters because you only use a quarter to a third of the cast at most in a battle. Mm -hmm. So if you lose someone, you can at least sort of replace them. They might be weaker because they haven't been in battles. Right. But in Echoes, you use everybody. So losing somebody sucks, which makes this turnback system critical. Wait, how many characters? Are you, so, how many characters do you have? I think at the end of the game, you have sixteen per uh, route. So each each character has each path has sixteen characters, and I think they combine at the end. So you'll have thirty-two characters for like the last few battles or something. In one map. In one map. Oh, it's intense. Wow. So that's how you get to know. All right, that's kind of cool because in my, my in my mind I was imagining okay, well, cool. you got like because usually those games are like you can have a max of four people. It's like, well, I got I got twenty people here ready to fight. It's like, nope, <laughs> sixteen of them need to sit at the top of the hill. Just watch four of them go down. But the enemy's bringing out twenty. It's like I don't care. <laughs> just just you four. And like the fifth guy comes down and like a ref pops out. Eh, too many players in the battlefield. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's cool. It is cool, and you're right. <laughs> See, this is where I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna derail us for a second. Yeah, right. This is one of my continuity complaints with almost all JRPGs. <laughs> it's you've I, got you've got a crew like in Final Fantasy VII, classic example. Sure, you got a crew. You built an epic crew of people, and every time you go into a fight, you get three people. Yeah, out of the what eight or nine, and they're all there. They're all there. Like in the story, they're all hanging out, just watching. Just watching. Just creeping. It's like, oh, that's a horrible nightmare boss that's killing you. No, no, no. We're going we're gonna to stand back here. Don't you know the fate of the world rests on this? Yeah, man. Like, the fate of the fucking world. <laughs> Stop taking a shit in the fucking Zeppelin and get down here. Let's fight some shit. Maybe the three main characters just want all the glory for themselves. That's like, if you, if you have, like, an eighth of the glory of saving the world, like, it rounds down to nothing, basically. Well, then they deserve to die. <laughs> yeah, they probably, they probably do. Of Anyways, so that's, that's a, and I know that's, like, a, that's a nitpicky thing. I get it. I get that. However, that is something that has always bugged me since day one. It's a real weird immersion breaker. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what it is. It's not a continuity issue. It's an immersion right. breaker. It's right. a, why can't I bring the rest of my team out? You know. Right, and sometimes games are able to come up with something that makes sense, but for the most part, it's that what the hell are they yeah, doing? I want to use my whole party, and a lot of a lot of and not just uh, JRPGs, but honestly, a lot of like RPGs in general have that issue. Like, right, Baldur's Gate, not a Baldur's Gate podcast, right. but uh, there's the issue of um, you can have a whole bunch of other people in your team, but you only roll around with like five people at a time. Yeah, six, yeah, yeah, six is your max party size. Yeah, but XCOM two, which is coming in a minute. They have a max of six people, but I think they I think do a good job. Yeah, they do a good job of because a lot of your missions are like we'll get you know we'll get into it. Right? Yeah, we'll get into it. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk about so it. That's me derailing our fire. <laughs> but so I, but, let me but, bring it back around because that makes me more interested in playing the game right off the bat. Absolutely. So now now I am actively more like in my mind the 
interest level of this game for me has just gone up a few because I didn't know that. I and I also expected it to be what you were thinking. I was tight googling like how what's the max number of characters yeah. because I want to know how many can I lose? Like what what's really my skin in the game here? What's yeah. the damage of losing well, characters? And also see, why do people really give a shit about Fire Emblem? Like what's so great about this game that makes people they keep making them mm-hmm. for every system. You know, they made a mobile app sucked, but you know, what what else <laughs> So the appeal of Fire Emblem is you've got a generally difficult strategy RPG. Not all of them are hard, but most of them tend to be challenging, especially at the harder difficulties. And usually after you beat the game, you can unlock some absurd level of difficulty too, which probably involves grinding or something not very appealing. But the hard difficulties in the game are challenging. They have interesting maps typically. So even though all of my missions have been kill everybody in in Echoes, Mm They've all had a lot of variety. Like maybe I'm playing on a desert one map and a forest the other map, and this terrain affects that the defensive difference. bonuses, how fast everything can move. You know, if, if you're moving slow, all of a sudden your Pegasus knights are just roaming around, killing everything because nobody can catch up with them to you know encircle them like yep. you could on a normal map. And then what about uh, and archers it, become important? Is it also like a dig deep in your inventory? You use everything you got, or is it just more like no? You know, so each character. It can at least in Echoes can only equip one item, and that's uh, item can be a weapon, an ar- piece of armor. Okay. Uh, each armor and weapon uh, does have its own growth with the characters. So if you use a lightning sword, you'll unlock lightning bolt as an attack. You'll unlock thunder strike or whatever for that character. So you want to keep the same weapons on the same character typically, unless you just find something immensely better. Mm-hmm. And then you might put your heels on. I don't know, your healer, because your healers actually take damage when they heal other people. So they might do that in a kind of crappy instance where, like, I'm low on life, I don't have another healer to heal my healer. Uh, (laughs) And you don't want them to die because then you don't have a healer, right? Because, again, permadeath, they're gone. Uh, So that part's appealing. I think the world building can be appealing. I mean, each one has its strengths and weaknesses, but like the plot, the characters, the world building, some combination of those things, mm-hmm. uh, you kind of get that, that JRPG fun, I guess, it's, but it's in a actual strategic element. I mean, most JRPGs is sort of, sort of mindless combat, right? Like there's a lot of filler combat. Maybe some bosses are interesting, but for the most part, it's not very mentally challenging. Right. Fire Emblem is a mentally stimulating game. Okay. And then is it, is it in each game set in the same world, like a continuing story? No, it- most of them are set in different worlds. I think there's some hypothesis that they all are technically the same world at different times or mm-hmm. different you know, versions of the Just world like or whatever. Just Pixar movies in the same world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that sort of thing. Some of the games do take place in the same world, uh, but for the most part, they're all independent of one another. I think So there's like 15 Fire Emblem games, and there's probably... 15. There's 15 of them, and there's probably eight worlds let's oh, say shit. seven okay. worlds something like that i'm gonna ask you this very important question uh if i'm gonna play any fire emblem game which one is the first one i should play so i haven't played a lot of fire emblem so, games you know, maybe this is a better question for people listening and and i probably be able to answer at some point i'm gonna try to go through a few of the newer renditions of it but i think the one i'm playing now is a good starting good point like, how, about, how about this i'll throw it out there to any any of our listeners if you know this is the best fire emblem game to start with mm-hmm. please let us know and no sick days podcast at gmail.com. Hey, hey. So, so Fire Emblem has been good, and I'm excited about getting the other Fire Emblems. The other big series I picked up that I haven't played as much is the Shin Megami Tensei game. Okay. Uh, just SMT is the typical abbreviation for it. And it's sort of like adult Pokemon. <laughs> uh, is the easiest way to describe it. It's just, not. Just to be totally clear, 
Might want to check your phrasing on that one. No. <laughs> <laughs> adult Pokemon does exist. Adult, non-sexual adult Pokemon. That'll make you happy. Phrasing. <laughs> uh, it, you... More mature. No, I like adults. Pokemon I'm for a more mature audience. Real adult. <laughs> real adult. Let me just describe it, and people can make up their own minds on how they want to interpret what I'm saying. Uh, so in these games, uh, you have kind of a more mature story. It's not... Like, oh, yeah? It, it's not... How mature is it? <laughs> it's, it's pretty mature. Long walks on the so, beach. So you take your ship... Candlelight at the dinners. Of, you take... So I'm playing Strange Journey right now. You so take, you have, a strange journey. <laughs> you have a lot of ships that you're taking and you're putting into this hole that's just appeared that's in the world. Said. This hole, so you're trying to get in all these holes as much as you can, and the holes just the, the ships just start going everywhere, mm-hmm. crashing to the do, ground. Do they go right, and only one ship survives. I'll I'm sorry, I'll listen to you now. Only one ship survives. Okay, okay. one ship survives. Just yeah, <laughs> and they go into this hole and they need to explore right <laughs> and it's called the <laughs> the schwarzwelt what now the schwarzwelt schwarzwelt yeah spell it for me s c h w a r z w e l t oh schwarzwelt yeah which is an actual like german philosopher for, or something what's well, a it stands for uh schwarzwelt i think means black world okay so that so is for black forest, maybe. I know. So somebody had some German philosopher had some theory that he pinned this term Schwarzfeld. or whatever, uh, and that's what's used in the game. So it has. It's not this. I mean, there is a sort of the world's being destroyed. Kind of, well, the world maybe is being destroyed, mm-hmm. but it comes off as just more of an interesting sci-fi start to a story, like uh, that movie Annihilation that came out. I didn't see it, yeah. but you know, it's like. Yeah, I saw the the commercials. There's this whole thing so that they're trying. so a trailer. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just like that movie. Never saw it. Well, the intro is. I saw the intro basically for the because com- through the commercial, and okay. I saw the intro of this game because I played it. So and from that vantage point, they're pretty similar. It's it's a, <laughs> similar to the trailer for Annihilation. I think the trailer is basically the first 30 minutes of the movie. It's, uh, yeah. I think I got the gist of the first 30 minutes of the movie from that trailer. So I've seen Annihilation. Okay. We're, we're derailing for a second. Okay. First of all, really good movie. I want to see it. It's, well, let me rephrase that. I don't know if it's, everybody I've heard come out of this movie said kind of the same thing. They're like, I don't know how I feel. I feel, I feel weird now having seen it. <laughs> okay. Uh, it definitely is the kind of film that sticks with you. Mm-hmm. It leaves you kind of just, what the fuck just happened feeling. Uh, I like those. those yeah. I think fun it, to feel occasionally. I think it was a good movie. Okay. Um, I'll let you know if I get to it. It's definitely a weird one. But uh, yeah, so you should definitely see it if you have a chance. So so you go into this world, whatever, and, and basically it's an interesting premise because it's more it's not the oh my family was killed by an evil god type character, now I have to go get revenge or mm-hmm. whatever. It's something that's trivial that you've seen a million times before. There's you know, consequences on the line, but it starts out in a more interesting way and creates an atmos- atmosphere that's just more more mature. Okay. I mean, it's the best way of describing it. So where did the Pokemon so, come in? So the gameplay aspect of it is you can negotiate with demons. So you have the pseudo armor or whatever, but the gameplay is you have a party of four that you control at a certain time, and then you have some backups that you can place in and out of your party. Okay. Your other three party members are all demons. And the way that you get demons is by negotiating with them. Which you should never Which do. is similar to <laughs> which is similar to maybe recruiting a Pokemon, except there's a little bit more involvement. I can't I can't see how uh, negotiating with a demon 
is anything like capturing a Pokemon. Because one, you just throw a ball at it. Right. Or you punch it a few times or kick it a few times yeah. and then throw a ball at it. And a demon, <laughs> no matter how it works out, is going to eat your soul. No, no, the demons are cool. No, nope, there's no way to negotiate. No, no. That's how they get you. They're like, oh, yeah, no, cool, bro. It's all that's fine. how the evil demons get you. That's all demons are. No, no, these demons are cool. Again, all that's what they. It's, it's they're like, like, oh, no, this guy's cool. He's cool, bro. And then one late night, you're drinking, having beers, and he's just like, hey, 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 by the way, I'm going to eat your soul now. I was like, oh, you're just Josh. And he's like, nope. And then he eats your fucking soul, dude, because he <laughs> made the mistake of negotiating with the demon in day one. Does not happen in this game. How is I, I, you know what you're right? I do see how it's similar to Pokemon. <laughs> All right, so you you start a negotiation with the demon. They ask you some questions. You answer in some way, and they either decide, no, nah, that wasn't cool. I'm going to destroy you. Okay, but you destroy them because you're better. Oh, or they say, okay, I'll consider joining your party. Give me a little bit of money. Give me a little bit of your life force. Give me a little. Give me an item. Bit of your soul. Give, yeah, a little bit of your soul though. Bit it regenerates. It's fine. <laughs> you have a good regenerating soul. You, you never go into a demon layer without a regenerating soul. Yeah, that seems obvious. Duh. That goes, that goes without saying. So you get these demons, and then you can also fuse them together. So instead of evolving them like you would in Pokemon, you fuse them to create new. So you're demons. saying this is a demon romance simulator. <laughs> I don't think there's romance involved in the uh, fusing of them. <laughs> this is a demon breeding. Simulator. I'll give you demon breeding. All right, all right. Uh, the so you have all these different abilities, and the way that you want to construct your party is to uh, kind of work together. So demons of the same alignment will do bonus damage to something if you attack an enemy with an element they're weak against. Okay. So if you it's like a rock, hit, rock paper scissors ish. Yeah, yeah. So if you hit them with fire. And you have demons in your party that are the same alignment as you. They will all do extra damage to that guy, whether or not they have a fire ability. So you, A, want to have basically all the different abilities in, between your four party members mm-hmm. out at any given point in time. And you also want them to ideally be the same alignment. So they all do bonus damage whenever they attack. So that's where the strategy component comes in. There's a kind of Pokemon element of building your party ahead of time. The actual combat is more involved in Pokemon since it's four people fighting, you know, two to five people at a time instead of just the one-on-one of a Pokemon battle. But, yeah, Squirtle either squirts or right does his. Yeah, team. there's there's not too much to really think about once you're involved in a Pokemon battle, and so I'm not very so far into the game. Went, no, yeah, but they're wrong. You don't know Pokemon. <laughs> you don't know Pokemon. Uh, there's so many Pokemon games for the 3DS. Anyway, I got none of them. <laughs> Not a single one, and I feel great about it. Well, how are you liking 3DS otherwise? So, so far, yeah. So, the cool thing is, I've had one game I really like, one game still on the jury, that the Shin Megami game. Mm-hmm. But the actual experience of just being able to play it anywhere uh, is great. Not having to use electricity, because we lost power on... Uh, July fourth. Yeah, yeah. We, when we, storms came through. Yeah, when the storms came through, we lost power for about thirty minutes. It's a lot of Rachel's yeah. TV no longer available. My 3DS still working. Hey, so that was cool. Oh, let me. Oh, I just threw my pen at the phone. Sorry about that. Uh, one quick question. Um, can you explain to me the two screens? I feel I sound like an old okay. man asking that. Yeah, I've always seen this, and I'm like, I don't. I still don't fully understand why. So, they you, so you have two screens on it. On the 3DS, and one screen, the 3DS XL. Let me, let me make sure I have the version specific. And not the second generation, but the first generation. Also, this review should have come out 10 years ago. <laughs> hey, it doesn't matter. All right, yeah. Ten, late than never. Ten, late, 10 years late to the game. Yeah, so you've got, the two you've got one screen. <laughs> one screen you can interact with with a stylus. Okay. So you can, like, poke on uh, things right. The stylus popped out. Yeah, and then the other screen is just another screen on there. So 
Uh, in the Shin Megami game, you might have like your party on one screen and the enemy on the other screen. Okay. Uh, in Fire Emblem, you have like your stats on one screen and you have the overall map on the other screen. Yeah. So it kind of depends how they want to use it. That's how you get the two screens. Okay. You got all your little fancy apps. Uh, there's also demos in this, which is cool. So I downloaded a bunch of demos, and I didn't like any of them, so I didn't buy those games. But it was nice to have that option. Yeah, it's a great option. Uh, yeah, overall, it's been a good addition. I, I played my old DS Lite for a little while. kind of ran out of games. You know, I was done with it. So now having a few more games is nice to add to the mix, and knowing that I can resell them later. You know, PC of the downer is that if you have a game, you can't resell it, right? Yeah, right. Uh, and these, I'll always be able to resell them and recoup some of the costs. Do they hold their value pretty well? Yeah, a lot of the uh, Nintendo games tend to. That's it. I wonder why that is. They don't run a lot of sales on their games. Oh, okay. Yeah, especially like the first and second party games from Nintendo typically don't run a ton of sales. And that just keeps the value higher. It all seems like Nintendo game, like a lifespan of a Nintendo game, seems to be much longer. Lo- this is pure speculation. Sure. But I'm, one, I'm speculating that the life the lifespan of a Nintendo game is longer than like pe- probably than, true. Yeah, because like a lot of games for for you know PlayStation, Xbox, PC are especially the sports games are the worst. But they're designed like obsolescence is designed into the game right it's like in a year's time a new one's coming out to replace it or we know in two years the next one's coming out to, and stop playing this one now buy this one right whereas nintendo it's like people still play smash and mario party from like 20 years ago 15 years there's ago. people that replay these fire emblem games tons yeah. of time like and they just go through them over and over and you're crazy but you imagine if you go into store to buy it you're probably still paying close to full price on it because the game's still and i think it's just be maybe just due to the fact that like nintendo's graphics are not and they typically don't go for like the big, right? You know, super realistic, fancy graphics. So there's the 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 staying power. How well the game holds up over time is really strong. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of speculation. One, one of, to to the point of them holding their value. Uh, one of the games I'm going to hopefully be getting from GameStop at some point in my life is <laughs> called Fire Emblem Awakening. Okay. Uh, the game costs forty five dollars pre owned from GameStop right now. Oh, shit. It came out in 2012. Wow. So this is, it's also an extremely popular version it's of Fire Emblem. still 45 bucks. So it's still game. a $45 game. Wow. Uh, the newer Fire Emblems are actually cheaper. The one I bought, the Echoes, I bought new for $28 or something. But for some reason, Awakening has just really held its value and they don't want to drop the price on it. That's so awesome. I, I'm enjoying it. It's a nice extra system to have to not have to be on my computer to play every game. It's right. kind of nice to move around, walk around, sit on the couch while I'm playing games. I can walk outside for like a 10-minute walk, and if I really want to do something, I can do that too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, bring it on planes, et cetera. So it's a cool system that I'm glad I have. And hopefully, if I like half the games on it, I will actually be pretty happy. Sweet. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty picky with my games, so getting half is a pretty good boon. Well, um, should we go to part three? I think we should. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about uh, XCOM 2. The best game ever. Because I beat it. Yeah. I played and beat it. Couldn't believe it. And I almost so started fast. a new game immediately. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back. All right. All right. Part three, we're back. We're going to talk about uh, XCOM 2. But you managed to beat. I did. So here's, Real fast. Well, here's, here's what happened. So uh, you, you know, a few episodes ago, actually quite a few episodes ago, you had mentioned, we were talking about this top 50 thing, I asked what's your number one game, and you said XCOM 2, and you put it over Baldur's Gate. Yep. 
which really surprised me because I thought that was your favorite game of all time. Nope. Um, it's, your number, it's your number two favorite. It's my number two. I might need to revise it. I've been playing a little bit. There's some things that are annoying me in Baldur's Gate. <laughs> but but it's still number two at this point in time. Okay. So I was surprised by that. So I was like, my thought was, Chris says it's that good. It must be worth playing. Um, and I, and actually I remember this all, this all came up. This is what caused the whole, my computer doesn't work. And I had to find a graphics card and all that good yep. stuff, right? So the video game gods smiled down on me. And one day I logged into the PlayStation Network store. And the first thing that pops up is, would you like to download a free copy of XCOM 2? And I said, yes, I would. And so I did. Who would say no to that? I know. So I got a totally free copy of XCOM 2. I, now, to be fair, I did pay for it already. So I did own a cop. I do own a copy that I cannot play. But then I got a free copy. And hopefully one day you'll be able to play that copy. I know, right? The PC version is better. Then I can mod the hell out of it. Because the version I just finished playing on PlayStation 4, uh, no mods. And I did not download any of the expansions. So this is the... Um, so I was about to use the word vanilla, but I don't want to. I'm, I'm not tired of people misusing that word. They're misusing the word vanilla. But it's vanilla. No, see, vanilla <laughs> implies it, it, people use it as a way to imply lack of spice or flavor, right? Yeah, or the, basic. Basic, right? Vanilla is anything but that. Vanilla is like an incredibly strong and and present flavor. Like, have you ever opened up a vanilla bean and like gone at it? Dude, that You're is not like, wrong. This is not bland. Like vanilla is. I prefer. If you take vanilla and chocolate, I would argue that vanilla has more flavor and going on than chocolate does. Yeah, I you said could it. argue that. I fucking. I mean, chocolate's said better, it. but you could argue that, which I is not what you're saying. I don't know if it is. All right, I think vanilla. However, might, colloquially, vanilla is what vanilla am, is, which is a basic. I'm taking thing. a stance right now, and I am rejecting that as a thing. So then what is XCOM? What is the base version of something if it's not the vanilla? It's called the base version. Nah. The, that's the boring. launch version. That's like so vanilla to say it that Jesus way. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> what a vanilla way of saying vanilla. <laughs> Call it the chocolate version then. That doesn't make any sense. I don't have a, the the uh, version 1.0. That doesn't make sense for me. All right, fine, whatever. Anyways. <laughs> I don't understand what you're the saying. The vanilla, not vanilla version. Yeah, okay. So I was playing that one. The unmodded. Yeah. Base base game. I can eat some vanilla ice cream. It's good, right? Yes. Yeah, it yeah, and it's so hot outside. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. It's like ninety seven degrees. Okay, yeah, so you're playing the vanilla version. Yeah. All right. So, um, which, which is also delicious. I mean, the, the vanilla version is quite delicious of XCOM. Dude, too, I I sustained my body on it for four days straight. <laughs> Didn't eat anything else and drink anything. Just consumed. XCOM. What else would you need? I don't. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, just yeah. kill aliens, eat their bodies digitally. <laughs> Great weight loss routine. <laughs> Super healthy, recommended. Right, some people go on diet, some people exercise, some people play XCOM. The, yeah. the gamer's diet. Well, XCOM 2. XCOM yeah, 1. the XCOM 2, of course. XCOM 1 has been shown to be uh, responsible for early onset diabetes. <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah, it's, it's a thing. It's All right. It's tragic. XCOM 2. The epidemic. Uh, so, yeah, I checked the game out. Um, I started off, uh, first game, uh, like the regular... It says like there's rookie, there's uh, commander, then there's like something, and then legendary. I think it's rookie, veteran, commander, legendary. That's it. Yeah. So I started off my first game in veteran because I was like, that yeah, it says that's a normal gamer familiar with these types of games. Yes, I am. So let's play it. Um, which has a tutorial, which I discovered is a piece of shit, by the way. Not for the reasons you think. Um, <laughs> it sets you up for failure, which is so messed up. So. You play the tutorial, I started the game, and I very quickly was like getting my ass kicked and losing a lot and not having a good time. 
And I was like, let me. So I started looking up some stuff. The first thing I discovered is that you're not supposed to play the tutorial. Um, <laughs> here's why. So leveling up your characters is so important in this game, right? Yeah, for it's, sure. It, I mean, the difference between having a character, one level, one rank up it is already a difference. It's a huge difference, yeah. Um, going into your uh, your first mission with four like four just rookies versus four people who are already specialized in specific areas, that is a massive difference. And if you do not play the tutorial, if you don't set up the tutorial, you go into that same mission with four people, you come out with most likely four people who have all been promoted. Yeah, because it's easier to level up once. The first right. time at least. If you play the tutorial, you have one person who is, <laughs> and everybody else is a rookie. Right. So you get set way back. That sucks. It does suck. I mean... Especially if you're playing on a harder difficulty where every decision makes a difference. Yeah, you can make up for it in a few missions, but if you don't, if you start losing people in those first few missions, then yeah, then you're just the downward spiral starts. It's happened to me. Right. But so I decided to, and, and I discovered some other things about like using grenades, and and we'll get into that. But um, like digging deep in your inventory, using every item you have at your disposal before you know you're, you need to do that to survive. Uh, but uh, I was still having a hard time. So I said, you know, let me just drop it down to rookie, which I did. I'm actually really glad I did. Um, but in order for it to not be too easy, I turned on Iron Man, which if you're not familiar with the Iron Man mode, even though we did cover that in our previous two podcasts ago. In last segment, sort of. In last segment, sort of, yeah. Uh, Iron Man is uh, where you cannot reload your game. You have one save game, and that's it. And, yeah, it uh, saves at the start of every turn. Yeah, and there's no... so, And it overwrites itself, so you can never, right. you can never go one back. One save. So any decision you make... Is permanent. Any bad roll or bad luck you get is permanent. That if somebody dies, they are dead and gone, and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, which adds, as we've discussed before, a lot of tension, which is something I think we've discovered. Yep, we, really we had like. the nice episode on tension. Yeah, it's really important to a game. So XCOM, Rookie, Iron Man. Uh, I had so much fun playing this game. I have not had this much fun in a long time. Like I've, I'm telling you, I came away from. I'm like, this is a. Bl- I'm having a blast playing this game. Um, I don't know if I'd rank it at Baldur's Gate level yet. So what do you think but, Baldur's Gate... I mean, they're different games. So yeah, I want to say, what does Baldur's Gate do better? Right, I don't want to get... What, really, I don't want... This is, the point is, isn't to get into, like... Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm going to talk about XCOM so, 2. So, really. so XCOM yeah. 2, what, what were, like, its three biggest strengths to you? Mm. What made you really like it? Okay, that's a great question. Uh, first is the... The digging deep. You've already heard mentioned that a couple times. The fact that in order to get through any given mission... You know, you really do have to dig deep in your inventory. Like, you have to make strategic decisions about what grenade is each person or other piece of equipment are they going to carry. When am I going to use it? And not being afraid to use those things. Um, you know, you know you're going to take an acid grenade, right? And there's a guy with armor. You know who you know he's coming up at some point. But you don't want to ever. I've never found myself like, oh, I better save that for later in the mission just in case I need it. No, I, I fucking used it. And I was always happy I did. Right. It's like, that guy's got terror. I need to kill him right now. Because, like, one thing with this game is you cannot let other people stay alive. If you, the more times you get the enemy to turn, to take a turn, is the more likely your people are going to get, like... Right. The point is to not give them opportunities to shoot you. Yeah. So you go all out on every enemy, which right. is fun. So, yeah. So the combat model, or the way levels are laid out, there's pods of enemies. Yeah. So there's X number of pods, depending on your difficulty and whatnot. And each pod has... Three, four, however many guys, depending on, again, your difficulty. And so when a pod appears, it's not going to usually be with other pods, unless they've been roaming and patrolling together for some reason. Yeah. So you'll pop up with these three guys. You have to kill them as soon as they pop up. Like, that's, you don't have to, but that should be your objective every time. Yeah, because they can do, giving them even one turn is serious damage. Two turns to attack you, 
you're probably uh, you messed up. Someone's going to die. Yeah, you, you definitely can't have it go on for two turns. One turn, and one turn could just be a crit kills one of your guys, and the whole mission goes to shit. Yep, like it's easy or well placed grenade. And a well-placed grenade. Yeah, they can shatter the roof underneath your guy. He plummets to his death. Yes. It sucks. And then you, know, you got to rethink everything. And so then you got to rethink everything, if yeah. It's, and if it's on Iron Man, you don't get the option to go back. You're like, okay, that's my world right. now. This, this is, yeah, and then you're going to decide, okay, what point am I just going to leave the mission entirely and abandon it? Yeah. Which you have to do. Sometimes you have to do that. You have to accept failure in a mission and say, I gotta get out. I gotta you gotta cut your losses and go. I just did that in one of my XCOM two playthroughs. Yeah, so so that actually brings Same me thing. that brings me to my second uh I think my second strength is you know, so first strength was And I will say one thing on the consumables, they are set up in a way to encourage you to use them each mission. Uh, because they all regenerate at the end of a mission. Like if you use your acid grenade, you get it back at the end of the mission, right? If you right. use your med kit, you get it back. So uh, it does encourage you, which I think is a very good system, and I wish more RPGs and those kind of games would do, yeah. of, like, you have a small number of items, but you should use them in every battle. Yeah. You yeah. know, instead of, I have 99 potions, and I'm just going to have them forever. Right? It also adds a lot of flavor to every it, it variety. It has a lot of variety to right. missions. I, like, I want to have a lot of people using a lot of different things because it makes it more interesting, right? And then you got to figure out, okay, how many flashbangs do I need? How many oh, med kits? Depending on what your class composition is. I like would I've never really used flashbangs in a game ever or anything that has that kind of symbol. I'm just like whatever. I'm just gonna kill the thing. Right. It like, just sort of gives a debuff. Yeah. It's usually like I, just doing damage. I usually don't give two, do two shits about like debuffing enemies. I'm more you know focused. I mean that can work sometimes. But for the most right. part, I'm like I don't care. But in this one, I was like oh shit. Like I only have one more or two more people to go, and they've got three guys over there who are about to attack me. Let me throw this flash grenade right. or fla- flashbang specifically to just hopefully slow them down. Right. Hopefully they'll miss. You know, they'll get disoriented. They won't move as far. They won't shoot as well. Like it just increases my odds of surviving. And when you're dealing with permanent death, that's a big deal. Yeah, you want to survive. Yeah. Suddenly the like flashbang is like, so I made sure I almost always had a flash, at least one flashbang on every mission. Right. I, I, just in case that, that occurred. Which and then you have to use them for codexes or codices or whatever their plural is of it. The oh. ones that like split when you hit them. No, oh, those guys are crazy. Yeah, Wait, so get them with the flashbang? The flashbang, they won't split. Wait, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, you should do that. Yeah, that's cool. It'll, it'll help a lot. Oh, it's driving me fucking crazy. Yeah, they're really fucking annoying. Um, <laughs> all right, so the second thing would, been, would be the uh, the... The variety of the map, like the, what am I trying to say? So the permanent, there's something to do with the permanent death. Like each mission is different? The mission, how the mission's played out. Uh, yeah, like the buildings demolishing, things happen. Yeah, so now to be fair, a couple times they started getting maybe a little bit kind of, it's the same kind of, same mission again over and over. Especially near the end of the game, I was like, okay, I've seen this map, I've seen this map. Right. But for most of the game, I would say, you know, it, it, everything played so differently. And that things would collapse, buildings would collapse. I mean, the, the world felt alive, I guess, in a sense. Like, as sure. firefights would break out, it looked like the buildings and the street car, the cars and the... the right. Everything is st- being obliterated. Everything's just getting wiped out. And not just, like, it's there and now broken. It would, like, take, you know, shit would start falling apart. And it made a difference in the map. It affected cover. It affected movement. It affected... Uh, Cover, it affected movement. <laughs> it affected cover and movement. I, I like that aspect of the game a lot. It's how organic the firefights feel. I like that each map is different. One of the big benefits of playing on PC is that there's map mods, so there's more maps that get added. Yeah. Uh, it creates, like, XCOM is created by these parcels. 
And so like each parcel is a certain number of squares, right? And so it creates a whole lot of these parcels and over overworld map sets. So you get all these new worlds, not worlds, but terrain types to explore mm-hmm. with all these different types of parcels that are included in them, which is cool. And you get a lot more mission types because people create new mission types with mods. That's cool. Also awesome. So yeah. when I'm playing a game, I like... By the time I've seen the same mission, I've already forgotten anything about it, you know, because it just, everything is just so, there's so many variables that it creates so much of a dynamic gameplay. That's super cool. Yeah. And so, uh, and it's already good in the base game, right? I mean, you're already saying, yeah, this is all the base game. My perspective, again, to remind everyone, I'm playing totally unmodded base. Yeah. No expansions. No expansions. No anything. This is just, this is XCOM 2 as it was. Well, I'm sure it's been patched many times, but. As you know, it's close to the launch day version that you can right. get. Yeah, a less buggy version of launch day. There you go. Yeah. Um, well, and then whatever they did to modify it yeah, for PS4. Sure. So, Fair enough. Um, the third thing I would say is the uh, narrative, and it's not the game. That, it's the it's not the game that creates the narrative. You create the narrative, right? And it's tough to explain. Like, it's hard to explain how that's cool or like how it even happens. But mm-hmm. it just, you know, I mean, ultimately, you've got these characters that don't. You know, they're just a randomly generated name, a randomly generated nationality, randomly generated look, right? Yep. They're assigned, you know, a, a, an accent. So from like England, yeah, or America, Germany. Which with the cool thing though is if they're from Germany, Italy, or Spain, right? They speak in German, Italian, it or Spanish. Cool. Yep. I appreciated that. Yeah. Um, it adds to that characters. Absolutely does. Yeah. Uh, so the third part is yes, yeah, this idea you get this narrative, and so when I. When I was playing through the game, I absolutely had this narrative developing. Like, I was just imagining. It's almost like when you're a kid and you're just, like, imagining everything happening. So, right. like, the story is as good as your imagination. So, I'm sitting there imagining uh, these characters' backstories, the interactions starting to have with each other. Who's Like, I started finding myself, like, man, I don't, that guy's an asshole. I don't like it. Literally, like, your character's just like, I hate that guy. You know? <laughs> and he's done nothing but just shoot people you've told him to shoot. Yeah, he's done, I control every move he has. Right. I'm the one who equipped him. Yeah. I think he's got a, a stupid look on his face. I'm the one who gave him that face. Right. <laughs> right? So why It's all up to you, but sort of. Why? Well, yeah. There's the a random generation, but otherwise. And those characters I liked, and there's characters that when they died, I got pissed yep. or felt it. You know, and, or, or I felt the emotion of the other characters reacting to the fact that right. someone had died. Right, it's part of the story. Yeah, which is, none of that existed in the game. The writers didn't make any of that. Right. The people who created this game, none, none didn't exist. It existed only in my own mind as I'm playing the game. And it comes out of spending so much time working with these characters. And when, especially with Iron Man, when you don't, when you can't lose anybody, if somebody dies, they're dead, they're gone. You know, then you really start caring, okay, I want to make sure my characters stay alive. Right. Or like, like, this character needs to live no matter what. Yeah, and the game is hard. So it's it's not like... It's th- like one of the few games that's actually hard on easy. Yeah. No, it was literally... Like, like to be you fair... You counted on two hands, and that's one of them. Yeah. And by the end of the game, I was I was definitely... I was. I mean, I had, like, all the high-end armor weapons, and I, I was having six-man squads, and I, I had the handle on combat. I knew... I figured out how to play the game. Sure. And XCOM 2 does, in the base game, without mods, typically does get easy easier towards the end. Like, if you've been doing everything, and you've built up a squad, that's if you have I a got. fully assembled squad, it's going to be kind of easier towards the end. Yeah, I was definitely finding it to be pretty easy towards the right. end. Um, but that's, I guess, sort of your reward, and sort of also gives you the flexibility of not having to have a perfect squad to finish the game right but it was just fun to so to give you uh so i almost rage quit this game too and so you're gonna tell the story i'm gonna tell the story again yeah it's a good story uh so i've like never rage quit games i mean i have the only other game i've quit we talked about is dark souls 
that I can think that I quit because I was mad about it, but that wasn't like a sudden rage quit. That was just a slow burn of right. There's lots of little rages, just slowly worn slowly down. added it to yeah. one rage quit. <laughs> it just kept chipping away at my yeah, soul. Right. And so I was like, I don't have the I don't have the will to play this game anymore. <laughs> it, it won. It, Dark Souls won. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, <laughs> that game beat me. Um, but with this game, I came real close to a, a full rage quit because I had an almost total party wipe. And I'm going to go ahead and, so if you haven't played the game yet, I'm going to spoil one of the major plot points. Not major plot points, but one of the big plot points. Um, Not that they're a critical part of enjoying the game, but yeah. I mean, right. they're cool. They add to the atmosphere. But, but for the first time you're playing the game, it's yeah. fun discovering It stuff. is. You're yeah. right. So in this one, you get a, at some point you get a codex brain, you, or no, you go to a, uh, I forget, anyways, you go into a black site, right? Yep. So you go into a black site, and you want to find out what they're doing there. And you eventually discover they're like, this is where they're creating Advent soldiers, right? And you also find this weird body in one of their like bio suits or something. You got to carry the, the goals, you get that, you, right. you break into the place, you carry the body out, get on a helicopter, fly away, and then you do your thing, right? Or what, what do they call them? Like the lift th- thrust jet? Lift Sky jets? Ranger? Sky Ranger, yeah, yep. that's it. Not a, it's definitely not a helicopter at it's all. It's not a helicopter. No blade. Yeah, it's sort of like the uh, ship from X Men, like the Blackbird that they use. Yeah. Yeah, which flies back to the main ship, which is just looks like the ship from uh, from um, Marvel movies. Oh yeah, yeah the yeah, that big flying helicopter, whatever thing. it is. Yeah, yeah, you get a giant spaceship that you're building stuff in. Right, all irrelevant to my stories. Anyways, uh-huh. <laughs> I've got a crew I've been running. There's a uh, I forget her name, but she's an Irish sniper who's been her top ranked. She's one of the first characters I had. So she's been she's the leader of the squad. You know, I've got a handful of people who've been around for a long time. Uh, got these two Grenaders who are awesome, and one's a South Korean, one's a Spaniard. I assumed they had become a couple at some point, uh, <laughs> just because they've been hanging out together. Well, there was a mission early. Yeah, they, there was a mission earlier where one of them was bleeding out and dying, and the other one like stopped what she was doing, picked her up, ran to a, a the eva- I dropped an evacuation marker, mm-hmm. and she was able to save her. And so I was like, okay, they must be a couple now, right? And so, but the Spaniard didn't go on this mission because she was injured. So she had been injured in a previous... Okay. Actually, this is it. Yeah, this is the mission. That's when she got hurt. So she got hurt on this mission. The, she was bleeding out. The Korean uh, woman, the Grenader, picked her up. Uh, well, mission's still totally going on. Right. Gets her onto the, on, onto the um, Sky Ranger. They get they, they evac. The other guys finish the mission. Uh, so she, the Spaniard is now injured and out, right? Okay. So this next mission comes up. We're going to go do the black side thing. So the Irish, I got my Irish sniper, got my South Korean, uh, I remember, yeah, South Korean grenader called Cowgirl. She's wearing one of those, like, <laughs> cowboy hats with, like, the bullets around it. Okay, nice. Yeah, so she had... Everyone get, gets their little nickname in yeah, yeah, everybody. So, again, all narrative I created. Right. Um, and then it, then I had my ranger who, had bat, who was badass. I had quite a few other people who, who had been using for a while. So it's pretty much, I went in with, like, my high-ranked team. Okay. Um, everyone on that team was was max level, was like it's the highest rank I had for that position, except for the grenader who was out because she almost died. In the okay, previous. they were the best at all their respective roles. So I get there and I read the instructions of the map, and I'm thinking, okay, I need to. It's like we need to sneak into this place, infiltrate the, infiltrate the site, right. figure out what's going on, and then get out of there. So in my mind, I'm like, I need to sneak in. Yeah, yeah. So you, that's you, bad in XCOM. See where I fucked up, right? You never, you, you <laughs> never do that in XCOM. You never try to sneak in and avoid all the enemies. Dude, I spent, I spent an hour just slowly, carefully, carefully, excruciatingly. Yeah. Uh, it, and at the time, I thought brilliantly. Sure. Navigating my way around. Normally, the map, it would be sneak, sneaking across the bridge, getting there. 
I know what happens. <laughs> Not because you told me, but because I've experienced this in other games of XCOM too. So what do you What do you think happened? Every enemy attacked you at once. <laughs> when we talked about all those pods and fighting them oh. one at a time, no, you've got four pods or whatever at once. So I got to. You have to cross a bridge. So there's you know there's a main building which I dodged. There's a bridge to get across a little cavern to the other main building where you need to get inside. And in front of that is this big old like mech warrior RoboCop two type thing, right? Yep. Um, and then a couple baddies off the side, a couple baddies in the in the back. And as I'm crossing the bridge, I'm like, I'm doing great. It's great. I see it. I'm like, time to attack. And literally as I start opening fire on their giant mech thing. Two pods come up from behind. <laughs> six people who are across the canyon all just suddenly decide to take that moment to walk out. Oh, yeah. See me. All six of them start attacking. All the, the, Another pod activates over here to off on the other side of the canyon. They start attacking me. So now my squad is like kind of on the bridge, kind of not being hit from all sides. Oh, yeah. No, this is just the beginning. Yeah. We're getting hit from all fucking sides. I can't believe that anyone survived that. Dude. That's usually just a wipe. This is where it gets real. Okay. So we start, I just like start unloading everything I got. Right, and sure. I, and what I have noticed too is, is what's great about XCOM 2 is when you find yourself in situations like that, retreat to, to more strategic positions totally works. Definitely. Like if you find yourself in a bad spot or bad position or out, out of position, you can spend time like just running back or reorganizing your troops. You're still getting shot at. It's risky, but you can totally you know, get yourself back into a position of strength. To then turn the attack, attack back on the enemy. And those decisions are just so dynamic because you know, it depends on what enemies you're fighting, who's in your team comp, what cover you have available. Yeah. All this stuff. As, cool. Yeah, as the as also the map around you is disintegrating from right. fire. And, yeah, that right. too. So I'm dropping smoke grenades. I'm dropping flashbangs. I'm dropping everything I got. Right. And we're spr- I start sprinting across from the map to try. So I take down the big robot guy. I'm sprinting across. One of the walls is totally blown out of this building. So yep. I'm like, we're going to go in that way. So I'm still going to complete this mission. And I still have most of my people. One person gets picked off by a sniper. And I'm like, no, that sucks. Okay. And then here's the fucked up thing. The uh, One of their... One of their alien guys mind controls it and it brings it back to life. So it reanimates. So this thing just stands back up. And I just want to imagine all my characters, this is the first time they've seen this. So they're all freaking out. They're like, oh God, oh God. So they're getting fire from two, two directions now and they're still pulling back. So they start pulling back in the buildings. A few guys in the building, they take them out. But more and more guys keep coming, right? And they're just like like blasting through this building just, just at my yeah, at my sure. street, right? So I've lost one guy. Um, so now I'm down to uh, five people. Another person got taken out getting into the building, so now I'm down to four. So then we go towards, we start moving backwards uh, through, the, through the main building. We get one person into the clean lab. Mm-hmm. He gets in, he gets in there, triggers the whole cutscene. It's like, oh, here's the dude in the bio suit. you got to get him out of there. Right. So I've got, imagine I've got you know, two people there, one person kind of outside the door guarding it. And then another guy, a ranger, a little further up in the building. Okay. And they start coming in. Now they're coming into the building. So they're just pouring in. <laughs> right. Uh, they're ready to kill you. Yeah, yeah. So Continue killing you. My ranger runs out there. He's just like, I'm going to hold him off. He takes one guy down. He takes another guy down. He gets killed and reanimated. <laughs> so that sucks. <laughs> so now he's all, I'd already killed the person earlier who'd been reanimated, <laughs> which is a psychological nightmare for those troops, right? So now he's reanimated. I have to kill him, too. And then my uh, specialist who's been holding shit down, he gets killed. So now all I have left is my sniper and my other specialist. And my gr- I have a grenader, a sniper, and a specialist. The grenader, and so now I'm like, I can't get out the way I need to get out. There's, there's goose, now the people, there's landing reinforcements right. behind me. 
So I see shit everywhere. I see the uh, evac spot open up just inside of the building. So my grenade just blows a hole in the side of the building. <laughs> it's fastest it's, way out. Yeah, it's totally like it, it's exposed. It's completely exposed. But in doing that, he didn't get to attack. Oh no, that's that's the South Korean. She does that. Okay. She hits it, blows a hole in the side of the building, so that the other th- other people can escape. And since she's not attacking, she left herself exposed to do so. She dies. So I'm like, well, she's dead. And then my uh, Irish sniper, she starts running. She's got the body. She's running. She's like, all right, I got to get out of here. She's running. She gets killed, drops the body, falls to the ground. Uh, and then Tom Daniels, Tom Daniels, the American specialist from America. He, he's like the only person alive at this point. He goes, I, I it just pissed me off too because this is why I didn't, I didn't go back and redo the mission. Oh, no. I went over to where they were standing. I said, pick up the body, expecting him to pick up the, the bio suit so I could complete the mission. Yeah. He picks up the sniper's <laughs> the body. Sniper. So in my mind, I'm like, I'm like, all right, I guess they had a thing. And he's told, <laughs> at this point, he's like, he's horribly wounded. Everyone on his team is dead. They blasted out the wall of this building. I've got aliens coming from behind off reinforcements. I've got aliens pouring through here. He's seen two of his two of his teammates be reanimated from being dead, and he's now carrying the body of this dead uh, Irish sniper. For some reason, yeah. And he just gets on the gets on the transport. And he makes it out of there. So you could have finished it with the real body if you're if Tom Daniels knew which body to pick up. Yeah. He just gets confused. So I didn't I didn't rage quit during the mission. But I stopped playing that night because I was like, <laughs> I just lost wise. my entire fucking team. And here's what you got to understand. It's like I'd spent time and energy building up this team. I lost five, the top five ranked people in my team, which means everybody else I had was a rookie, except maybe one other person. So I, did, I had to drop like, I had to buy like six or recruit six new people <laughs> just to fill my team out again. So that's when I almost quit. So I actually did start a new game because uh, that's how mad I was. I was like, well, that's it. I'm ruined. I can't do it anymore. So, so I, mad you're throwing pins. Yeah. So I started calling that, that, uh, that day. So I started a new game and I started playing the first mission and I fortunately went online and literally Googled, um, to- can you recover from a total party wipe right. in XCOM 2? And surprisingly enough, a lot of people said, yeah, if you, if you uh, catch it early enough and you just power through, you can, you can actually recover. Right. So I was like, all right, you know what? Let me go back to my game. So I did. I went back. Started rebuilding my team, started developing a whole new whole new squad came in, and naturally the narrative then became you know Tom Daniels is like I gave him the super burned face, so he's like the grizzled veteran doesn't talk to anybody because he's seen all of his people die. <laughs> he had that um, one night, the yeah, mission that went awry. The Spaniard woman is now super reckless because the one person she loved died on that mission, <laughs> and she wasn't there because she was uh, you know injured. So she of course is racked with guilt now. Um, but she, they both survived to the end of the end of the game. Head cannon in XCOM, second to none. I can just keep going. It was crazy. It, it was such a fun game. That's what's great about it. you get this narrative that's awesome. You get this, yeah. these game gameplay elements that are awesome. I like I said, I've probably this is probably my fifth campaign that I've started on XCOM, and I think I could play a ton more. And it's to the point where every time I play a game, at some mm. point I'm like, should I just play XCOM instead? <laughs> Because if it's not better than the fifth playthrough of XCOM, what's the point of it? Well, let me ask you this. Why do you keep going back to play it? So the random elements create new narratives every time. You get a whole new cast of characters. The missions are always different, and the order that they come out in is completely different. So you have to use different strategies at different times. The mods also add a lot of replayability. So if I play with one set of classes in one game, I might play with a completely different set of classes in another game. Mm -hmm. So I basically just have whole new options available to me. 
I can play with different enemies, different maps. Uh, but the big part is just the randomization of the game is so good mm-hmm. that, like, as I'm getting better at the game, it still gets to throw new stuff at me. So I'd never really truly master it. Whereas most other games, when you play them, like if I go through another gameplay of Baldur's Gate uh, in the near future, I'm going to know how to resolve most of the encounters, yeah, right? You know even the, even with a party that is new and different. You still know the cast, you know the story. You still know. have a pretty good idea of like, okay, at this point I need to fight this guy. This is how I kill mind players. This is how I kill dragons or whatever. But XCOM, every time it's just a whole new grouping of enemies. I've got a whole new cast of characters to work with. They have all these different weird abilities that all work in different syncs together. Uh, and then the expansion, War of the Chosen, amps that to the next level. Okay. Uh, you're talking about how people form these relationships in your head, right? And that's part of the cool part about head canon is you have these things that, just these incidents that combine to you having a story for the characters. Well, in XCOM, uh, War of the Chosen, they actually form bonds with each other, which has an actual gameplay component. Really? So each character can have one bond, and it goes from level one to three, and it gives you new and better abilities for every bond level that you have. And they each have a different cohesion level, which determines how fast a bond will move up. So at some point, if people on missions together, doing stuff together, they'll form a bond with one another. And you can play that in your head however you want. But that's cool. It adds just new elements to the gameplay, yeah. new randomization. Then you've got stuff like The Chosen, the titular Chosen, right? The You've got three of these big bads in the game. So there's no, like, real... There's a big bad, so to speak, in XCOM, but they're not really present until the very end of the game. Even then, they're not... They There's really not a singular show, big bad. They don't really show their face. Even right. Yeah. yeah, it's sort of this group of beings, right, that are kind of running the show. Well, in this, you've got three chosen that you put a face to them. You fight them constantly on missions because they're basically def- each defending their own little territory. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing missions in Africa, the assassin is one of the chosen is going to come and fuck your shit up because that's his land. And he doesn't want you doing stuff there. And so he's going to be there on half the missions. Until you finally go through these covert actions, another new thing that's added in War of the Chosen, which is another thing that your little guys can form relationships on, give you new perks, new benefits on. So they go on covert options to slowly reveal where his stronghold is until you go in and you kill him permanently at his stronghold. You that's kill cool. the thing that's regenerating him, basically. Yeah, yeah. So there's that whole narrative that gets added. The strategic overlay is also critical, I think, to the enjoyment of the game. So you have this overworld of the map, of the world, right? Uh, and you have all these different continents. The bonuses for each continent are randomized. And I think there's oh. more with mods. I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. so like the Africa bonus isn't always going to be the same as it was last time around. That's and cool. I think it... I don't know if in the base game, but at least with mods, it draws from a bigger pool than six of them. The base game. Thank yeah, you. There you go. Thank you. I, I worked it in for you. Hey. I'll, I'll save vanilla later. Um, uh, so you have like things like that. Just yeah. and There's more that the expansion adds. The expansion is amazing. It's one of the better expansions. And when I say XCOM 2 is my top game, it's with the expansion. I don't know where I'd rate it without it. I mean, it's still very high. But the expansion just makes it... it it's almost infinitely replayable. More than any game... Any non, probably Europa Universalis, I could maybe argue is more replayable, but even then, countries can play out pretty similarly. Okay. In XCOM 2, everything is so different, and I get this headcanon. Like, I like characters that I can become attached to. In XCOM 2, even though they're randomized, mm-hmm. I still can get kind of attached to them. Maybe not like a Witcher 3 character, but more than a poorly written 
JRPG character. Yeah. I mean, like a, I, a trope type character. I, said, I, I still remember names and faces and what they looked like and when they died and how they died. Yeah, I still remember like. from probably my second, guy, second game, a guy named Rattler was his code name. Yeah. Uh, you, there's one ability called Reaper in the game. Yeah. And so I, had, I got it, but I never got to use it. Oh, it's awesome. He, he killed seven people in one turn with it. I was fucked. I was on a mission, I was fucked. And I was like, let's see what happens. And he go, and th- three of them were like easy kills because they were low on life and I was able to do it. But then the next, I was like, he has to hit for at least like the midpoint of damage because yeah. it's like a range of three points of damage, right, when you attack. And he has to hit like pretty good odds, but like 90%. And they kept going to like 80%, 70%, or whatever. And he kills everything on the map. And he makes it to the end of the game. I made sure he survived every mission. Well, yeah, at that point, that guy was a badass. <laughs> yeah. So I still I remember what he looked like. He had a bandana on his head and oh, around his like face and everything. Uh, so like these characters made yeah. they they make the story. Right? Well, like there's a when I was training up my my third sniper. So my side, the second sniper, right. she was awesome. And I had this rookie sniper in my mind. I'm like, ah, oh, she's the new new rookie sniper trying to learn learn the ropes. But I, she got the ability to fire her gun at. Um, every enemy she sees, she'll mm-hmm. pull. A, you get a, one move where you can pull your pistol out, and she'll take one shot at every enemy. And uh, I was in a situation where I had like five people around us, and she could see three of them, and she killed all three. Just That's awesome! Like, bam, bam, bam! <laughs> took them down. And I was like, that just made the mission. Yeah, these like way easier <laughs> these heroes that come in and just have like one critical moment that just saves a mission or something. Yeah, turn totally turn. Because I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna deal with this. Right. Yeah. Or, oh, or you just have someone over time who just does like one thing. It's like your sniper is good for a kill every mission or something. You so they're like, that's eh, pretty pretty nice or whatever. Or they are able to just dodge everything. Your characters are just have high dodge yeah. and they get like lightning reflexes, which makes you immune to the first Overwatch shot every time, every yeah. turn. And so you're just like, this guy's a ninja. Well, I think I'm gonna probably. It's a high probability that I will get um, the expansions available on the on PlayStation and then play the game again because it was super fun. Yeah, it's absolutely worth. I mean, the expansion is. Again, one of the best expansions to a game ever. Really? Yeah. Sweet. I definitely believe that. All right, man. We are... It's been a long one. Running long. Because XCOM is great. When I get the expansions and play through it again, we'll, we'll talk about it again, I think. Yeah, you'll you'll love all the new stuff that they added. It's Thank great. You. And uh, that stuff is more topical, because I think War of the Chosen came out recently, right? Last year. came out, last uh, year. I think, August or September of last year. Come on, 2017. Seems, I mean, there's, like, there's just been a big push on XCOM 2 lately, I guess. It's just an amazing game. All right. I mean, it's best. All right. Best well, uh, do you want to do the sign-off piece? Yeah, so you should follow us on everything that has No Sick Days <laughs> attached to it. Uh, you can email us, uh, nosickdays at gmail.com. And no also sick visit our podcast. Sorry, nosickdayspodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Also, our website is nosickdayspodcast.com. And all of our social media is on there if you want to yeah. follow us there. Pick whatever is easiest for you, whatever you like to follow most. Or you can just keep up with the website. We'll have this episode up uh, sometime soon. Yeah. You won't know when because soon to us is relative to our current time. But we'll get, for we'll you, get, it'll be whenever you listen to it. We're getting caught up. Yeah, we're getting, we're getting some caught up in this. And uh, that's it. You should listen to us all the time. Yeah. Just keep it on repeat if we don't come up with a new episode by the time you're ready to listen again. And I guess our next bonus episode will be the uh, Devolver Digital Lounge. Yeah, that'll be fun. I think it'll be super fun. Work out something. Alright. Alright, well that's it. This has been a No Sick Days podcast. I'm Chris. I'm John. And have a great day doing whatever the heck you're going to be doing for the rest of the day. I guess not. I mean, that's a good recommendation. Alright. Bye. Bye.